1: 560 The Joe, Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. Where you at? It's Dan Day, and on the way, we got the Joe Rose Show talking all things football with Kyle Krabs. Greeny touching base with Jim Boeheim, whose son is balling at the NCAA tournament. In fact, Syracuse also balling at the NCAA tournament. Can't wait to watch that tonight. LSU, come on. Then Hawk and Crowder. It's spring break. Right now, it's headlines. The Heat dropped two to the Pacers over the weekend. First on Friday, 137-110. Then yesterday, 109-106 in overtime. Miami plays tomorrow against Phoenix at 8. The Panthers went 1-1 one one over the weekend, defeating the Predators Friday 2-1, to one, then falling 5-3 to three to the Lightning yesterday. Florida is back in action against Chicago tomorrow at 8. After trading for him just three days ago for with the Texans, the Dolphins have cut Isaiah Wilson and reports are the offensive tackle was cut for disciplinary reasons. Round 2 of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament continues today. The games are currently going on, and they feature teams like Gonzaga, Michigan, LSU, go LSU, and Kansas. The Canes baseball team were outscored 34-2 by Florida State as the Seminole swept the Canes in a three-game over-the-weekend series. Inter-Miami's game against Miami FC Saturday was canceled due to COVID concerns. Their next scrimmage is scheduled for Saturday against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Adrian Brody will play Pat Riley in HBO's Showtime Lakers. The series will spotlight the LA Lakers in the 80s. Both Novak Djokovic and Serena Williams have pulled out of the Miami Open. The tournament begins today. And now it's Monday, so you know we gotta do it. Let's take a step into the day spa. Ah. A 7th grader in Ohio has broken the record by making 52 free throws in a minute. Yeah, but can he make them in crunch time? A 17 year old in Montana has just earned her doctorate in business administration. Got to love virtual classes. A woman is claiming that her grandmother is bullying her because she's unhappy with her unborn baby's name. The name? Booger Boy. Nah, it's really Atlas Sage. Almost as bad. A San Antonio area wax museum has removed a Donald Trump figure due to people continually punching it in the face. Makes you wonder where people would punch you if you were a wax figure. If you're up in the mornings, you gotta be listening to Joe Rose. Weekdays from 6 to 10, he packs it in. Especially packs a pretty hard NFL punch. Earlier today, Joe Rose talking with Kyle Krabs about the Will Fuller effect. Also, the Dolphins possibly trading down in the upcoming draft, and is Gregory Russo staying put right here in Miami? The
2: director of scouting for the Draft Network, lead editor of the Dolphins Wire, host on the Locked On Fids podcast. Also follow him on Twitter at Grinding the Tape. Kyle, let's jump right into it. Will Fuller? I, I like the the signing. Does this change what you- how you feel about the priority list for a wide receiver in this draft by getting Will Fuller or not?
4: I don't know if it necessarily does for me, but I I, I think what ultimately will be the tell is, is how the dolphins philosophically want to run their offense and retaining their co-offensive coordinators from last year is is any indication. You know, this might be a team that does kind of look to run more too tight end personnel stuff as compared to trying to space the field with a bunch of 11 and 10 personnel, like the Buffalo bills did last year as an example. So, uh Maybe it takes a little bit of the heat off for the Dolphins, but uh, I think with Will Fuller being on a one-year $10 million deal with $3 million in incentives uh, and his durability issues, I still think receiver is, I would peg, as the top need on the team still just because I think you need more there and I think you need more reassurances. And, yeah. uh, there's no greater example of that than you know the Dolphins making this low-risk move for Isaiah Wilson that promptly went up and smoke in three days' time. So it's a good example of, of banking on one guy's, uh, risky business
2: in the NFL. Kyle, you, you do part of this, uh, what I'm going to ask you next, you, you've been, you do for a living. If you have the wide receiver class ranked ahead of the pass rushing class, knowing how important it is, a Dolphins just absolutely have to find a pass rusher in this draft. I don't care what size. They got to find a guy that when you rush four can get there on the edge. How do you treat that? It just seems like a lot of these pass rushers they have in the middle part of the first round do you jump up if you like somebody? How do you treat that if you're Chris Greer and Brian Flores?
4: Yeah, it's pretty unenviable of a position because you look at how they handle free agency. For the majority of their tenure, aside of signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's all been young guys, right? So all the all the top free agent names available that are still pass rushers are either Jadavion Clowney, who they, they were interested in two years ago, and Clowney turned his nose up to the Dolphins. He's had durability issues, and then you also have... Uh, a bunch of guys who are over the age of 30, so you don't feel like they're really going to sign somebody in free agency. And then you look at the draft, and Joe, you know, I think you're absolutely It's their primary need defensively right now is a guy who can win off the edge in 101s. And, and whether it's Quiddy Pay from Michigan or Jalen Phillips from Miami, those are the, the two guys that really jump out to me as as they'd be stylistic fits for what Miami's going to do. You can make a case for. George's Aziz Ojalari, who's also a first round guy and probably the hottest name of the group, uh, but he's probably a little bit more the rush linebacker hybrid type and not the Emmanuel, Agba, shaq Lawson, Hand, and the dirt kind of player. But you're you're kind of in this dead zone, and if you pass on him at eighteen, you're probably not going to touch one of them. So so then you kind of get into day two guys, and I don't I don't know if I, any of those players are going to be better than anything than what you had last year outside of Emmanuel Alba. So you, you're talking, if you bring in Carlos Basham Jr. from Wake Forest, who's a day-two pass rusher, he's 280 pounds, is he going to be better than what Shaq Lawson was last year? I don't think so. He's power rusher. Uh, Shaq Lawson was a perfectly fine power rusher, but it's, it doesn't bring you the dynamic that you need off the edge. And Miami has a really narrow window of opportunity to thread the needle and be able to get the fit. But there's only a handful of guys at the top of the draft that I think qualify.
2: Well, Kyle, if the, I guess if the draft kind of sheet for the Dolphins changes a little bit, and maybe wide receiver is not the number one priority for them going in, and, and pass rusher moves up the chart a little bit, what do you do at three? There's not a guy to take there at three. There's no Chase Young in this draft, even at the top. At that point, do you do you kind of? have to trade down a little bit so you make sure you get, you know, value at that 8-pick, 10-pick, 12-pick, 6-pick, whatever it is. You Do you have to move down if that's the way you want to go?
4: For as, as much as I like a lot of the prospects in this year's edge class, I don't think I'd take any of in the top 10, to be honest with you. <laughs> so you're almost better off trying to maximize the value of the 3-pick, and I would advocate trading down anyway because I think there's a lot of really good offensive weapons that you could target. And then if you feel like you want to press the issue with a pass rusher you kind of read the room a little bit knowing you have 18 and if you have to move up a little bit from 18 i know that kind of flows against the the tendencies of the chris greer brian flores led dolphins in that we we saw them stand firm uh, on all of their picks last year when they had a couple of opportunities to jump up and go potentially go get guys that were getting close to them in the draft or they coveted their picks they wanted those top picks by volume so it would be a little bit of a tendency breaker for them to go up and attack to go get a pass rusher if they felt they weren't going to get to him in 18 but uh i I don't think you could justify any of these guys in the top 10 you know i'd have a real hard time saying you got good value using your first pick in the top 10 on any of the pass rushers this year
2: kyle i noticed you didn't say russo at all i was just greg russo i know you've looked at his tapes and stuff why Mm -hmm. what is it you don't like Uh, about him
4: i like Greg I think Greg is has the potential to be a really really disruptive defensive lineman the questions with Greg are obviously we did not see him in 2020 Uh, he played in 2019 as a redshirt freshman at 260 pounds and I look at Greg's style of play and, and I look at his frame and his build and I think the most exciting projection that I could come up with for Greg Rousseau is to get him to play closer to 275 or 280 and have him be somebody who can move around your defensive line not dissimilar to how the Houston Texans used to use Davion Clowney where they put him down in the B-gap and let him play the run. Because I think if you're just going to draft Greg and ask him to win off the outside, he's nowhere near developed enough as a pass rusher yet to be able to do that. I think I don't think that's necessarily where his strengths really lied as a player. So I think about Miami, and they need – Uh, an impact player who can come in and be a force, claim pass rush wins consistently off the edge early on in their career because the Dolphins are entering into a competitive window. And I think Gregory Rousseau is probably a little bit more of a year three projection type as compared to a year one projection. Now that doesn't mean if the Dolphins drafted him, I'd be really excited for what they could turn him into. I just don't think you're going to see that player in 2021.
2: We just, uh, our front office has got to figure out how to draft a, a pass rusher on the outside. That's That's been – I know we used to talk about guards and how they couldn't draft their own guard and they had to constantly go out and get free agents. Well, now they're in that boat. Like, w- we got to find a guy that can line up outside. The last two guys, I know you've talked about it before, Charles Harrison, uh, just didn't work out. And I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know why it's so hard. There's a shortage of them because we saw a bunch of them just get paid. Uh, but it has been a really difficult position for this team. Are they that hard to find?
4: I don't know if they're necessarily that hard to find. I just think it. I do think it is interesting that you know the last couple of times Miami has swung on them, they they haven't really been ideal situations. You look at the entirety of the 2013 draft when they traded up to three for Dion Jordan, and the top ten had like one good player in it. Right, it was one offensive lineman. I
2: know it's crazy
4: and. And then you look at the 2017 draft, and for all the talent that that year had, of course, it was the year that the Dolphins had previously gone 10 and 6, and were picking at 22, as compared to being in a position to draft a little earlier uh, and, and reaching for a need in Charles Harrison. That's the lesson, and that and that's the risk. Is when they drafted Charles Harris, it was okay. We're coming off a 10 and 6 season what do we need? Well, we need a pass rusher, so we have to draft one here. And they end up misevaluating Charles Harris versus uh, T.J. Watt was on the board, and that, that's always going to be a, a red mark. Uh, so I guess for, for Miami specifically, they've had the luxury of having Cam Wake for the better part of a decade up until the start of this new regime, and it kind of took the heat off of identifying, okay, we got to go out and draft pass rushers early, Uh, and they've had some good ones here. Olivier Vernon was a nice mid-round hit for them, so I I guess the the transition away from him has made that a challenge.
2: You know, it's so funny. Olivier Vernon, they they didn't even know how good the guy was. They went out and got D on, (laughs) and Olivier goes, no, it's too late. I'm not signing here, man. No no long term. I'm hitting that open market as soon as I can. And uh, he ended up being the best pass rusher we've drafted, here in a long long time minus you know uh cam of course coming in from Canada and Jason Taylor going way way back now he's even he, he's even starting to become an old guy here so we can't we can't even talk about him let me ask you about that running back situation I don't think we take a running back in the first round what do you think
4: I wouldn't be surprised if they did uh but but I do think it's it's pretty telling the way they handle free agency and that they managed to get Malcolm Brown on a really team-friendly deal. And obviously we didn't see Aaron Jones hit the market, but it it seems as though, and I believe I saw Adam Beasley, the the Herald had a report that they weren't looking to spend a whole lot in free agency on a running back. They had kind of a price limit that they were interested in, and it was fairly economic. So if that's the case, then I would not be surprised if they do choose to play it like they did last year, in in which we like our options, we're going to let the board fall to us, Uh, And we'll see who's on the board at uh, 36, which is that early second-round pick. And uh, I do think they have a realistic chance of one of those top three backs being there, whether it's Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, or Javante Williams from North Carolina. So uh, it's kind of a dangerous game. And if you end up coming up shorthanded, then I'm sure they will not hear the end of it. But they they don't care about the noise from the outside. Uh, for, for how they choose to draft a running back, it's it's going to be a risky proposition if that's how they choose to do it because that's how they chose to do it last year and they get to the 56 and the top five backs are all off the board.
2: Right. Hey, hey right. Kyle, I noticed here real quickly. Um, I noticed you, you've been talking about some other wide receivers that you like in a real deep wide receiver draft. If they don't take one of those top three guys that we have just beaten up, from one from LSU and two from Alabama, are is that next tier – close to those top three in talent potentially as an nfl wide receiver
4: i think there's a handful that are okay. uh, i like rashad bateman from minnesota quite a bit i think he'd be stylistically a good fit for miami too as far as uh, minnesota ran a ton of rpos they ran a ton of in-breaking routes in the intermediate areas of the field that was an area where tuatanga Tagovailoa really struggled with accuracy bateman kind of plays with a quote-unquote my ball mentality goes up and attacks the ball and uh, he, he's a little bit better athlete than he gets tested or, or gets credit for, too. So I really like Rashad Bateman. If you're going to look to wide receiver, maybe at 18, if you do choose to go a different direction, whether that's A Sewell or uh, you trade back and draft a pass rusher with your first pick, and I think Rashad Bateman from Minnesota can be a really, really, really good pro, and there's a lot of good day two options
2: as well. No tackles, bro. No tackles, man. No tackles, please. No more. No more. We – we got, no, we got enough, guys. Let, let them grow, man. Let, let what we have grow. Let them grow up real quickly. Hey, uh, Kyle, thank you so much, man, for being with us. We just Thanks, need a little Kyle. fix, man. Thank you so much.
4: Uh, it's always good talking with you guys. I hope
1: you guys enjoy your week. That's how Joe Rose, Zach Rance, and Hollywood do it in the morning. Get up early. Get your sports on with them. Then stick around after them because at 10 o'clock, Greeny takes over. Next, Greeny's going to be driving this bad boy with the coach of the Syracuse Orange, Jim Beheim. Oh yeah, March Madness is here and you're going to hear all about it on 560 the Joe Radio Rewind. 560 The Joe Radio Rewind Running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 Over the past 24 hours Hope your Monday is going swimmingly Monday fun day Uh, Unless we have basketball Maybe we've got basketball going on all day Makes your Monday a little more bearable And hopefully spending time with me Has made it a little more bearable No, it has made it more bearable for me Just hanging out with you Put your pants back on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's all good. Hit me up on social media at Dan Day Radio. And of course, always remember you can download podcasts for this show or any of the shows by going to our website, 560thejoewqam.com. Oh, yeah. March Madness is in full effect and always seems like Syracuse is in the middle of it all. So earlier today, Greeny caught up with the man that made the orange run. We're talking about Jim Boeheim. First, he's talking about his son who is balling at the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament and how he keeps the cues going.
5: Syracuse knocking off San Diego State, the six seed the other night, then knocking off West Virginia yesterday to advance. To the Sweet 16, where they will play Houston on Saturday night, and their legendary coach, the Hall of Famer Jim Beheim, is back with me here on ESPN Radio. Congratulations, Coach!
0: It's great to be talking you uh, talking to you on this Monday. If I <laughs> if I wasn't, we wouldn't be playing. <laughs> That's right, and, and you know,
5: over the years, you know, Jim, I, I've probably talked to you on the air over 20 years, a hundred times, and what I've always found is that I'm always more interested in talking to you about things other than basketball and other than your legendary press and uh, your legendary (laughs) zone and everything else. And so here's what I want to ask you today. In all honesty, like as the, as a father myself, I cannot imagine what it must be like to be coaching your son. For those who know his story, this is a guy who wasn't really recruited to go anywhere. He started out as a walk-on. He has now scored 55 points in two NCAA tournament games to lead your team to the sweet 16 Jim, how do you put into words what that feels like as his dad?
0: Well, when you bring it up and make me think about it, i'm I'm stunned and almost unable to move forward. During the game, I just pretend he's a player. I honestly, I try to pretend he's my two guard and let's see what you know what we can do. We obviously get him more shots now because he's making more. You know, this year he started out shooting 25% from the three of the first 15 games. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like him in the lineup, um, especially in Syracuse. But, you know, he stuck with it. I mean, he's the hardest worker I've ever been around, and I've had some really hard workers. And, you know, I'm just proud that he made himself into that. Not that he's necessarily a great player, which I think he's becoming, but I'm just, so proud that he's made himself into this because he just wanted it. I mean, I never told him to go to the gym. If anything, his mother's probably the only one that's told him to go to the gym. But usually she tells him to come out of the gym because he's there Saturday night after an afternoon game shooting the ball on a machine, a gun machine, which you get a shot every eight seconds for an hour and a half. I mean, it's his arm gets sore. Literally, he has to rest his arm this year, which I've never heard from a basketball player. And I've been around some guys like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry who shoot hundreds and hundreds of shots every day. But I just am proud that he's made himself into this. And uh, that's what I take out of it as a father.
5: Hey, you know, how do you try or not even try because you obviously succeed how do you treat him like just a player when he's a game? I have obviously practically no comparable experience, but I did coach my son when he was playing in third grade and I couldn't do it. I literally, I ha- after one season, I had to stop because I couldn't. I couldn't separate myself from being the father of one of the players on this little eight, you know, eight-year-old team. I couldn't do it even then. How do you do it?
0: Well, I haven't told anybody this, so it's kind of a national. For It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done, but it's the hardest thing because you can't think about, he's my son. You have to think about, he's my two guard. What what do we do with him? Is he got to come out of the game because he misses four or five straight shots? Fortunately for him, when I've had shooters, it doesn't matter if they miss shots, they stay in. Because shooters are going to make shots if they get enough of them. The only problem is if the coach doesn't get them enough shots. And if I don't get them enough shots, I can't go home at night. So, you know, the door's locked. (laughs) And, you know, if it's really bad, the door's locked. They may have been changed by the time I get home. (laughs) So (laughs) as we all report to someone, even even, uh, head coaches Mm -hmm. and radio guys, we report to the boss at home. Well, and, and who
5: in this case is, is not just your wife, but is his mom. And, and, and that, that's, that's another complicated part of this. Like, I can't, I'm trying to put myself into this situation because the, the human interest side of it is so fascinating to me. And all of those dynamics, when he's struggling and he's not making shots and you take him out of the game. And now, you know, his, his mother is watching the game and she is both the coach's wife and, 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 and the two guards' mother. I mean, it's, it's fast. It's like a soap opera.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's been good that he's always played well. I I hate to think what would have happened if I had to sit him down or something. I don't think it would have worked. I talked to a coach once who said he yelled at his son during the game, and when he got home, his wife was fully sweatshirt, hat, everything, in bed with a partition up in the middle. <laughs>
5: don't come over here so so we all understand how it's going anyway it's it's a it is a beautiful story I mean genuinely just as someone who has known you as long as I have it's it's a joy to watch let's move from that again Jim Boeheim with me at Syracuse and let's talk about your team and in its totality here you are it's another year where your team comes in as this low seed or high seed however we factor these things in 11 seed and you're off to the sweet 16 how do you keep doing that?
0: Well, you know, we've been fortunate. Our our defense is a little different for people. That helps us a little bit, not as much as people think. But teams don't see zones anymore. It used to be you played against zones quite a bit. Now we're like the dinosaur. There's there's not many teams that play zones. So that helps us a little bit. But we're a good offensive team, which it took us a while to develop into. Uh, That's what really helps us. We're shooting fifty percent from the three and the two, or in in the two in in the NCAA tournament against two of the better defensive teams. So I think that's one thing. The second thing is amazing. What a year it's been! I mean, I'm so grateful for our players and for the NCAA staff, Annie Gavitt, to get this tournament up and running. Is I mean, it's an amazing thing, an amazing job. So we're really grateful for that. But when you look at the tournament and you see 15 seeds winning, 12 seeds winning. Oregon State, three weeks ago, couldn't beat the next-door neighbor. And now they're beating everybody that they play. And it's obvious the Pac-12 is doing well in the tournament. Just to win the Pac-12 tournament was unbelievable. And now they're beating, you know, I mean, really, really good teams. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's really, really good. And you look at All Roberts, they got two of the best players in the tournament. And that's college basketball. There's just good players all over the place. And it's fun for our game uh, to see that. You still have Baylor and Gonzaga, who clearly are the two best teams. But there's a lot of other teams. Loyal of Chicago, as impressive as Baylor and Gonzaga is, Loyal of Chicago is the most impressive team. They're not a Cinderella. They're a really good team. They beat one of the three best teams in the country yesterday by 10 points or more. I mean, amazing tournament, amazing. We're playing it, and it's just great that we've been able to get through this year. For the most part, everybody's healthy, which is number one. And number two, we got an awful lot of the games played, and we're going to have one of the best tournaments we've ever had i said this last week going in this is just going to be a great tournament because you have so many great coaches and so many great teams you've got coaches coaching here that nobody even knows about who are really really good coaches
5: It's been nuts so far. It's been fun, and it is great to see. uh, It's great to see it back. Just after having, it was the first event that we lost last year, and so just to have it back, I agree with you. Just as a as a fan, as a spectator, is a delight, and it's great to see you winning again, Coach. The best of the family. Thank you. Congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll talk next week when you're on your way to the Final Four.
0: I hope so. Thanks, man. <laughs> Take care. Much
1: love and respect to Jim Beheim and Greeny right there. It's going to be fun to see how all the games play out. I know I'm going home to watch that LSU game tonight. Yeah, Tigers, proud alumnus right here. Let's see if they can make a little run. Beat the Michigan Wolverines. Number one seeds aren't what they used to be. They're not your mom and dad's number one seed. So let's go, Tigers! It next. We're gonna let's go spring break with Hawk and Crowder here on 560 to Joe Radio Rewind.
3: That's
1: how it starts. 560 the Joe Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. Hola, I'm Dan Day, Listen to some LCD sound system. I always gotta get some L C D sound system in my life. Love those guys. James Murphy and the whole crew. Seen them live before. They broke up for a while. They're now back together. They do their music here and there. Makes me smile. Makes me feel good. And hopefully, you're always feeling good with the Hawk and Crowder show. Weekdays from 2 to 6 right here on 560 The Joe. No one has more fun than them. Solana interjects. They bag on him. It's good stuff. Hawk and Crowder right now talking about spring break. Also, Solana's got that heat jinx and Spo's TOs.
6: Yeah! Good! Back. Back. Like I never left. Well, you did leave for a week, but yeah. Left for a week. I had to party a little bit on South Beach. I had to get it out of my system. You started one of those fights. I knew it. I knew I saw you. I, uh, I think I'm the reason Isaiah Wilson's gone. I'm going to be honest here.
3: I, uh, <laughs> I was having too much fun.
6: I was running with Hawk, man. I couldn't, I
3: couldn't handle it. <laughs> I know y'all said to be careful of South Beach, but you ain't never done it with Hawk.
6: <laughs> he would have been the guard we needed
3: i would like to point out the miami heat have not won a single game since solana purchased one of the trophy gold jerseys bad luck guy. related i don't know
6: put him in the bathroom <laughs> put him in the bathroom
3: you're the mush solana you had to crow all over uh social media that you bought one of the jerseys they haven't won a game since I think that's totally erroneous. Absolutely erroneous. Maybe it's erroneous. They've won a game since you bought it. No, I mean maybe they could just hit a damn three in overtime. How about just hit it, hit it one three in overtime. <laughs> How about call a timeout and draw up a play like they had done just a few moments earlier, right? Where, where yes. after a yes. timeout, like Spo draws up good plays, and and can we do something for timeouts for Spo? He just he's not heard. There's something going on. You know, there was always the kid in class that, that you could tell was raising his hand or wanted to ask a question, but the teacher could never tell. <laughs> we all saw Spo was trying to call a timeout, but the teacher didn't notice. And it's like, and it's at what, like he's got to do something. What could he do?
6: Laser pointer, red laser, laser pointer. pointer. I like that one. Hit the <laughs> ref right Something, anything, like you know what? I was yeah, gonna I go with a water bottle, squirt the ref, but Super Soaker sounds right. a little better. Yeah, Super yeah. Soaker. I mean, there's no mistaking that he wants a timeout.
3: I actually, uh, I spent last week on spring break in Vero Beach. How are things going on South Beach? Did I miss anything? <laughs>
6: <laughs> They're not going well, man. It's just it's some crap going on. There's <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of shenanigans
3: going on on South Beach. <laughs> we were gonna have Will Manso on today to talk about the Miami Heat. He doesn't even any power at his house. He doesn't want to waste his cell phone on us because maybe there will be a heat story at some point. I totally understand. There's people listening right now that a work on South Beach live on South Beach are visiting want to go to South Beach like there's a there's definitely some uh, some issues because I mean even people that live on South beach are getting caught on the causeways trying to get over and it's all shut down. So I don't know. Glad it's not my problem to solve. That's all I can say.
6: I I don't know. Oh, I just don't know. Thousands of people come down to party and then you close everything. I just I don't know if that was the greatest plan ever. I I think somebody smart needs to figure this out. Like what about the planning? The like we had to have known. that all
3: the the rest of the country other other than Texas really. The rest of the country is locked down and Florida's been shouting, "We're open!" We're, hey, we just had a Super Bowl. 30,000 people were there. Anyone see this? We're open. And the airlines, they're not getting any customers. So they're like, oh, you want to fly somewhere? $4. Sure. Oh, you want to go somewhere? $11. And so everyone piled into a, uh, an airplane, flew down here. Hotels were dying to end, prepared for something that seemed very obvious that this was going to be uh, spring break central. Oh, and by the way, we have the greatest weather. On the planet. So, like, yeah, it wasn't – it's yeah, not It's freezing. not like uh, Montana. Yeah, it's not like Montana's open. Hey, we're Montana. We're open. You know, awesome blossoms, half price. Like,
6: it's South Beach, and
3: we're open yeah. in the weather. I never, I never
6: so. looked at my buddies and said, hey, bro, spring break in three weeks. Let's go to South Dakota. Right, never. It doesn't work that way. So,
3: anyway, we'll talk with uh, Calvin Hughes about that. We have a lot of stuff to get to because I wasn't here last week. I want to get Crowder's take on a lot of the Dolphins moves. We're going to talk with Clay Ferrero from Local 10 about the Heat, their three-game losing streak, and uh, if Kyle Lowry might be be in the offing. Mm. So, Mm. uh, lots to get to.
6: To be fair, Crowder, you did say, well, spring break, let's go to Minnesota. So, uh, I mean, not far off. Actually, it was ski week. Great point. It was ski week. Even worse, spring break, you went skiing in Minnesota. Even worse.
3: Oh, no. When you go to the private schools, there's ski week, and then there's spring (laughs) break. You
6: see, this is a different world. This is a world we don't live in, Solana. This is a special (laughs) world. And you're not allowed. I'm not going to give you a pass. I'm very aware.
1: Take a T.O., baby! Basketball all night long. I am going home to crack open some Bush beer. Sit around and enjoy my life. LSU playing tonight. Let's pull the Tigers through. Go Tigers! And then, of course, come on back tomorrow, 6 o'clock. We'll do it again. I'm Dan Day. Thanks for listening. This is 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Later, slug!